Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do the Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do the Work. I was so excited when Jeff Stewart agreed to chat with me on the podcast, and we'd planned to do this online since he lives in another part of Utah. It was one of the first times that I recorded at Studio 98, and I was excited and nervous, and when I got to the studio, I'd forgotten my computer. And graciously, Zach, one of the founders of Studio 98, offered to let me borrow his computer, and it just took a while to get everything up and running, which meant that my time with Jeff was sadly shortened. I'd heard wonderful things about Jeff. When he agreed to be on the podcast, I was thrilled. He does so much good and has so much knowledge about how to help individuals heal from the pain that comes from their choices and how to move through addiction and other destructive behaviors and into loving, committed relationships. I have a friend that's seen him as a therapist, and she calls him a rock star, which, if that were translated, probably means that she has felt deeply grateful for his knowledge and all of the ways that he's helped her learn, grow, and progress, and helped her to see the world and her life experiences through a more um, honest or clear lens. One of the things that I really appreciated in our conversation was his clarity around normal everyday behavior and experiences in relationships, and then behaviors that are abusive and will not only damage a relationship, but a person's soul. I mean it when I say relationships are what matter most, and yet so many of us are in so much pain around our relationships with our spouse, with our children, our parents, our siblings, and more. We live in a culture that promotes prominence, popularity, and acceptance, when in truth, if we want joy and connection in our lives, then we have to be willing to look at our relationships from an honest lens and be willing to address real issues. As a coach, I often have individuals who will beg those they love and care about to see if they're willing to come with them and address what's hurting in their relationship or, or beg them to go and talk to someone else. When someone walks into my office humbly with a desire for a greater connection and growth with this person that they say they love the most, it is just miraculous to see and truly a privilege to be a part of. And it requires great humility. I was so rushed for time by the end of my conversation with Jeff that I forgot to ask Jeff at the end of the podcast, what would you suggest that someone could do to do the work this week after they've listened to this conversation? Dang it. I was so sad to realize I'd missed it. So I'm going to answer that question before we move into my conversation with Jeff. And I think Jeff would agree with me. Don't live beneath your privileges in your marriages or any relationship. Be willing to speak to behaviors that are destructive. Be willing to forgive others. We are humans. We're going to make mistakes. Be willing to say, I'm sorry, and to repent if needed. Be willing to not tolerate abusive patterns. Be willing to find things to be grateful for. You better believe I'll be taking Jeff up on his offer to come again. Thank you, Jeff, for this great conversation. Welcome back to Do the Work. I'm here today with Jeff Storr, and I am so excited to have a conversation with him. I have heard so many good things. Well, I've learned from him, 
um, both from his podcast, from his social media. And I have people that I love who have been very affected by the things that Jeff has taught and continues to teach. And so I feel like it's such a privilege to have you here, Jeff. And um, so thank you for coming. Oh, truly my pleasure. Glad to be here. I'm going to introduce you, Jeff. Jeff is a licensed marriage and family therapist in in private practice in St. George, Utah, with 25 years of experience. He specializes in helping couples heal from the impact of sexual betrayal and broken trust. He's the co-author of Love You, Hate the Porn, Healing a Relationship Damaged by Virtual Infidelity, and the creator of the Trust Building Bootcamp online course. He has a podcast, From Crisis to Connection, which he hosts with his wife, Jody. He completed a degree in communication studies from Brigham Young University and a master's in marriage and family therapy from Auburn University. Jeff and Jody have been married for 27 years, and they are the parents of four children. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me. You bet. Jeff, I feel like I'm old, and I've lived long enough to know that relationships are what matter most. I mean, there's just there's scientific studies about that. We can look yep. all around and recognize you can have everything in the world, and if you don't have relationships with people that you love, it doesn't matter. You're not right. going to be happy. You're not going to be content or feel successful in your life. Did you know that 25 years ago? What led you down this path for you? Oh, man, I don't know if any 20-something-year-old knows very much. <laughs> I don't think that so either. That's why I'm like, were you the one who knew? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because I've, I've always been fascinated by really, I came from a really good family. Uh, my parents are still married 50-something years now. And um, just, you know, just a lot of good experiences with relationships growing up, thankfully, but, um, which I know is not everybody's, you know, uh, fortune, but, but I, I know like when I was in high school and it was time to do the science fair, I wasn't building bridges with toothpicks. I was actually doing studies on gender role differences. And I just had all this interest in relationships and relationship dynamics. And, and I was writing term papers on PTSD, you know, and, I just, I had all this interest in it as a high schooler and didn't really uh, put it together because I went to, I went to uh, BYU and started studying communications. Like I was going to be a journalist because I just loved people and stories and just was so interested in that. And uh, about my junior year, uh, when I got married, uh, we moved next door to a, a, a couple and he was a retired, he was a professor for uh, human development family studies and had Stephen Covey had hired him to come out and write some books with him. And he was our neighbor. And, and that's when it opened up the world to marriage and family therapy, marriage, uh, like marriage and family education. And I felt like all the lights were just lit up on my panel. And I was like, this is really like you can do this for a living. I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> you, can talk, you can talk about this stuff that excite, that is so insightful and yeah. exciting. Yes. Yeah. I read all the books he recommended. We would just have dinner at their house multiple times a week and just talk and talk and talk. And I just loved it. I was just like soaking it up like a sponge. And I knew I'd found something important. And after 20, whatever, 25 years of doing this, like I'm still not tired of it. It's just fascinating to me. So much to learn. Still feel like I have so much that I don't understand. And I just love it so much. So much to learn and so much that you have learned and and that you are helping individuals truly um, 
connect with themselves. I think I think that's one of the greatest mm-hmm. gifts of therapy or even having trauma in your life is the ability to stop and look at yourself. And if you choose to get the tools to connect and really learn to love yourself, which allows you to love others at a deeper level, all, all of that. Yeah. I mean, at a minimum, even just pay attention to what your body and your emotions are telling you and have that conversation. And I mean, there is so much good data happening moment to moment with us that I think it's easy to ignore. I've certainly ignored it for a lot of my life and learning how to pay attention to that, slow down, have the courage to respond to it, speak up about it. Um, Man, things just go so much better when we do that. I recently listened to your podcast. It was on, you know, recognizing feelings and how important feelings are. So Uh When you just said, you know, check in with yourself. You talked about that on that podcast. We'll put the link in the show notes of this podcast to that Fun, yeah, do that. But, oh, it was so insightful. And I'm a huge believer that feeling is healing. If we we don't know how to feel, we are stuck. We will be stuck wherever we're at. And generally, if we don't know how to feel, that's a painful space. So, okay, Jeff, relationships are what matter most. My motive today on this podcast, I would really love to talk about, because I think if we lined up 100 people, they would probably all say, yes, relationships are important. But if we lined up the same 100 people, we might not find a lot of happy people inside of their relationships. Maybe they don't know how to connect. Maybe there's patterns and behaviors in their relationship that are Mm -hmm. uh, destructive. So first, I want to know, what is, um, like, how would you describe a healthy relationship? And then second, I want to talk about what are different behaviors that are destructive to relationships? Yeah. Well, let me, let me start like at a very baseline sort of like mandatory type, uh, level, which is relationships are, are built on a foundation of safety. First of all, Mm. if you don't feel safe, meaning like you, you worry that you're going to be physically hurt or sexually hurt or emotionally attacked or there's going to be or a, a ignored or abandoned or, or disregarded or, you know, if there's anything that basically creates a fight or flight in you in that relationship, then that that is going to be impossible in a way to build any sort of growth, healthy relationship, connection, thriving at all. And a lot of people because of maybe what's normal for them, the family they came from or, or experiences they've had or other, lots of other complicated factors, they may believe that that's as good as it can get. They may believe that, uh, this is normal to some degree. And I want people to understand if you, if you can't shut off your fight or flight, if you feel anxious all the time that you're walking on eggshells or that you can't speak up or that you don't have a place at the table in your relationship, or that uh, you're constantly trying to overfunction to manage, or you're always worried that you're going to be left alone or ignored or avoided or hurt or something like that, then I want I just want people to know that you are living way beneath your privilege of what's available to you. And relationships at a minimum should have that if it's going to thrive. Now, beyond that, you get into what is a healthy relationship? Well, it's built on mutual respect and admiration. Each person being deeply invested in the, the well-being and growth of, of the other person and themselves, but also, 
I mean, if you have two people that are deeply committed to helping the other person thrive, to know themselves, to use their gifts, there, there creates a, an energy, a synchrony that you just don't get anywhere else. Uh, and, it, and it's, it's really a, a special thing to have two people who are deeply committed to, in some ways, almost becoming experts on the other person and then supporting their journey and, and celebrating that. And there, you know, there's phases and there's times where you're busy and distracted, but at the core, there should be that deep friendship and, and support for each other. That's really beautiful. Often what I, what I see as I help individuals, and I'm sure you see this on a, even a much deeper level, you said a relationship where you become, I didn't write down your words, but like experts in knowing and understanding the other person. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And general, yeah. and often what I see and um, what I think is so common in relationships is a, a, a sense of, I, I'm, I need to prove to you that I'm good and not bad, that I'm, yeah. that I'm important and that you should see the good in me instead of let me see you. Like I have enough self to care for myself and I can also see you and care for you. Yeah. Yeah, if you're spending so much of your energy trying to earn your partner's love and respect, or you're worried that it can be taken away so quickly, then you're either in a relationship with somebody who isn't really showing up for you, or you might have somebody who's trying to love you and be there for you, but you might be blocked and you might be unable to receive that because of trauma or attachment issues or things like that, that make it hard to settle into attachment or a secure connection. So it can go both ways. Absolutely. Good. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's a question I have for you. In relationships, so you just talked about what what creates safety inside of a relationship, what a healthy relationship would look like. What is it? How how would you counsel someone? They're in a relationship. One of the persons in the relationship has done something that's been painful inside of the relationship. I mean, we could just list a whole myriad of things that they that could have mm-hmm. happened. Several days go by, or a week goes by, or a month, or a year goes by, and they decide they want to come walk back into the relationship without addressing their behavior or how they showed up in life. Tell me, tell me your thoughts about. It. Does that work? Is that can, can, is it just kind of you know just move on? Does that is that real? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that some people might, again, depending on their background, they may they that may be normal for them. They may feel like we just don't talk about things, and it's fine. And I don't, I don't believe at the core that every single issue needs to be dissected and and right, you know, completely analyzed. I think that there's a lot of things that, especially I know in my marriage that that come up at eleven o'clock at night. It's probably better <laughs> we just get some rest and not keep trying to talk through it. So Uh some things don't need to be addressed at a deep level, especially when there's a a baseline of security and trust and you just know that it's going to wash out in the, you know, over time, whatever, it's no big deal. What you're talking about is, is when there's been an injury, something that changes the very fabric of the relationship, something that is a terror or a breach or something that really changes the way you see the relationships, the way you see yourself, the way you see men or women or even God, or, you know, it just, it really just rattles things enough to where it's like, I can't see things the same way I used to. 
if that's if that's not corrected, if there's not any kind of repair there about that, then that's just going to be a pebble in your shoe the rest of the relationship. It's always going to be in the way. Now, you might be able to organize around it or learn how to live with it, but it's never going to be relaxing. You're never going to really be able to fully settle. And obviously, depending on how big that pebble is or how big the injury is, that will determine how uncomfortable it feels or how much work you have to do to work around it or, or pretend it's not there. But those things don't go away, in my experience, just with time. Uh, your ability to ignore them might increase over time, <laughs> but the actual issue doesn't go away. And the toll it takes on you to do all the work to hustle, to ignore and avoid, that eventually catches up with you. So pausing when somebody maybe waltzes back in, like you're saying, into the relationship and wants to be able to start with a clean slate, as, as people often say, or let's forget the past. I think if the past is still very much in the present, it's on your mind, it's affecting how you show up in the dynamic, then it's not the past, it's the present. And it has to be addressed in real time for there to be integrity in the relationship. And without that integrity, there can't be trust and there can't be safety. And you certainly just can't relax into that person's arms. Yes. Yes. I I really believe that two people who are willing to look inside and be responsible for themselves and also be honest about how they've been affected by someone else that they love. I just don't think there's anything we can't work through. I, I'm a big believer in that, that if, if we're willing to address the issues and see the other person's wound and acknowledge and value all of that, I, I just believe it. I think yeah. there's so much pain inside of relationships because we're afraid to talk about the wound, you know, or what's, what's underneath. I, I was training, um, I had trained for a marathon, the one and only marathon I've ever run in my whole life. And it was over. I lived in another city from where the marathon was. And my parents lived in the city that the marathon was being held. So my friend and I went, um, and slept over in that city and I got all my stuff, went over, slept at my mom and dad's and then got up and went, they bust us up to the beginning of the marathon and we were running and almost immediately I thought, you know, there's something in my shoe. Like it just feels like a little tiny rock, but I wasn't stopping. I mean, I had trained for this marathon. I thought it will shift. It will move. It won't be a problem. And about two miles in, I said to my friend, I'm sorry, I got to stop. I feel like there's something in my shoe, but it wasn't like mass. It just felt like, Oh, dang it. I stopped. There was a Brett that I had put in my shoe, like a full <laughs> Brett <laughs> for my hair. And if I had kept running with the Brett oh my in goodness. my shoe, I would have got to about mile seven or eight and I'd have been done because I would have had a yeah. blister. It would have not been oh, yeah. a good thing. And so to me, that is so, <laughs> it relate. it's, it's so, it can be applied to relationships. Like, you can still move around. It's still there. I wasn't, I was running fine yeah. at my pace, but there was something that was affecting my run and would have really affected if I'd kept it in there, let it stay in there. Yeah. Is and that, I, I just feel like you deserve to be able to move freely through life without, I mean, there's enough things that are uncomfortable that we can't do anything about. But when you've got the opportunity in the relationship to speak up or identify something, Denial is a very strong thing that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's really a powerful phenomenon, which I think can be actually really helpful when you're trying to survive something, you know, it helps yes. us regulate and yes. it, it can really 
help us get through really difficult things that we just don't have all the bandwidth to make sense of in the moment. Mm-hmm. But as you start to unpack that, or you start to, you know, once you get to safety or it's time to start looking at things, uh, denial really can make it hard for us to feel free and be able to just clean up our environment, clean up our insides. And I think it's, I think it's important for us to have the courage to look at those things and talk about them. I'm optimistic like you. I, I feel like there's a lot more suffering that comes from avoidance than from just talking about things. And I, and I'm an Olympic level avoider. I'll tell you, I come, (laughs) come by it. Honestly, I, you know, I've had to learn how to like stay in things where, you know, my wife will run right into traffic. She has no problem with that. It's, it's something Mm. that's very natural for her, but for me, I've had to learn it. So you can learn it. You can learn how to sit with discomfort how to sit with things, how to ask the questions, confront things and look at them. And it works. You can actually adapt to it. And the freedom and the peace and the connection that comes from just saying, you know, hey, there's actually a bread in my shoe. Like there's something here that is (laughs) totally, it's hurting. And I want to talk, the connection is indescribable really it's not it's not something i mean you might think you see it in a movie i don't think we have language to describe the safety the peace the the love that comes from two humans being willing to address and be responsible um mm-hmm. an issue that's inside of their relationship and it doesn't it's, this is not just marriage this is friendship this is siblings this is coworkers i mean across the board relationships yeah and unfortunately some you know s- some people in relationships aren't willing to take those risks and do that work and you have to you know you have to just respect that and it will change the very nature of the relationship whether it's a sibling who just won't talk about something anymore or a parent and or even a child or a spouse i mean it's very difficult when you when you with somebody who says i have a limit i won't go there i'm not going to take that risk i won't open up about that then you have to decide how you're going to respond to that. And some people, some people, you know, will just adapt and organize around it or figure it out. But if it's something that's really significant, like a past betrayal or something that really changes, again, the nature of the relationship, um, sometimes drastic measures have to be taken because it really does erode your capacity to feel comfortable and safe in a, in a relationship, especially a marriage. I mean, with a sibling or a, an extended family member, or even a child, you know, you can honor somebody's journey and, and there might be more space or it might be more distant. But in a marriage where you're supposed to be one, it's hard to just ignore that and have yes. things feel relaxed. Yeah. Let's be one, but let's not talk about that one thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? that doesn't work very right. well. Yeah. Right. Good. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Thank you. So you talked about denial. Um, other... Are there a few other uh, behaviors that are that you would say are destructive? I was I was thinking of, you know, blaming, manipulate, manipulating, gaslighting. I just thought maybe just even, mm-hmm. you know, for individuals who have not done a lot of emotional work or who have not, you know, have just kind of thought, oh, this is just this is just life. Here we go. Sometimes just hearing a descriptor or. Um, like clarify that that's what this behavior looks or sounds like. And I know that it can be so varied, but 
I think that if, first of all, I think if, if anybody listening thinks that they've never done any of these things, <sighs> it's important to, right, just to say, okay, we all have the capacity to deny something or to blame or to even gaslight. I mean, these, these words are strong and, and none of us would like to admit that we're capable of these things, but we've all minimized things or justified things, or, you know, we've all had unhealthy coping strategies, whether that's to preserve our own dignity or to not lose someone or save face or whatever. So I think first of all, it's important just to be honest with ourselves and not assume that we're the pinnacle of healthy human functioning and everybody else is so screwed up. I think some humility really helps here, but but I also think it's important to recognize what these are and and develop the courage to name them or talk about them and have some self-respect to to advocate for something better when they come up. And so you talk about gaslighting, which you know is an abusive behavior. It's 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 very cruel and it's it's taking stealing somebody's reality and it really it's not just lying about something it's lying and allowing somebody else to continue to feel cr- like f- crazy. And, and that's, that's a pretty cruel thing. That's hard to overcome in a relationship when you've gone on for years and someone's led you to believe something's one way. And when they really the whole time knew it was another way and, you know, defensiveness, blaming, I mean, John Gottman and his, his famous marriage research found, you know, five things that, uh, that he said were, predictive of divorce, you know, in like the 90% range. I mean, they're, they're, they're so toxic, you know, defensiveness, contempt, criticism, stonewalling. Those are just, those behaviors are belligerence. I mean, those behaviors, when they're happening, we've all done them, but when they become a pattern, when they're a, a, a regular feature of your relationship, then it's important to confront it and address it and not ignore it because those things don't self correct on their own. And he he talked about contempt being the worst one, which I think is interesting because contempt is at a very low level manifests with like an eye roll or yes. pulling back your, you know, kind of pulling your your lips back kind of the side, like this contemptuous, like disrespect, disregard, almost disgust of your partner, dehumanizing them, seeing them as less important and less valuable than you or other people. And that is, I mean, when you see your partner as less than it's really hard to come back from that if you don't take some accountability, correct it, figure out what's going on. So when these things are present in a relationship, just carrying on like things are normal will eventually lead to the demise of the relationship. I don't I don't see many couples. I mean, I've worked with couples that have been married 30, 40, 50 years even, and they've let these things go, never address them. And they end up in my office. And it's really hard to it's really hard to reestablish any sort of safety unless each person's really willing to look at how they've colluded in this, how they've participated in it, and whether that's how they've allowed it or how they've created it or whatever combination. And you're in charge of your relationship. You're a, you're, you know, if you're listening to this, you're one half of this relationship. Now I'm not going to mutualize abuse and, and talk about it. Like, you know, if you're one half of the relationship, you're responsible for abusive treatment. That is not true. Right. Uh, the person who's being abusive is responsible for that treatment. But you are responsible for whether you speak up or do something in response to stuff that's happening. And that's what you need to know is that you aren't powerless to do something about it. You know, as you say that, I yes, and so many people 
feel powerless. They they take mm-hmm. that victim role. Yes. Which which says I I I've just got to endure this because there's a lot of other good things in this relationship. So I'll just mm-hmm. be okay with this and and it 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 destroys from the inside out. And, yeah, and, and I think that I think that accepting some things is fine when you're dealing with personality differences or likes and dislikes and mm-hmm. uh, quirks. I mean, things that we just all have to put up with each other because we are human and we come from different backgrounds. And sometimes you drive each other crazy about things that will never change. I'm not right. talking about that stuff, right? right? You and I are talking about abuse. We're talking about stuff that will uh, diminish the integrity, diminish the well-being of another person. That's totally different. Yes. And you don't have to stay stuck in that. So you deal a lot with, um, well, y- your podcast is From Crisis to Connection. And you work a lot. You have your boot camp, which is mostly men. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the bulk of the people that take it, it's for the person who's broken the trust to help them become a trustworthy person and repair the damage they've done. That's why I built it. And I, the bulk of the people, the people that have gone through that course, it's a self-guided course, are men. I would say 95%. So such a great resource. So you work a lot with individuals who have either been the one who have broken the trust or have had that betrayal trauma Mm -hmm. in their life. Do you call it betrayal trauma? Yeah. Can you describe in the, in just the quickest way that you know how betrayal trauma, what is that? Well, it's different than it's, it's, it's trauma in the sense, like a natural disaster or car accident where something unexpected happens or it overwhelms your, your capacity to respond. I mean, that's the trauma part, which is mm-hmm. powerlessness and, and fear and, and safety issues. Right. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. but, but the betrayal part is really an important distinction because when you're mugged by somebody you don't know, or there's some f- force of nature taking you over, then there's not an interpersonal component to it. And you don't have to go home with that person. You don't have to raise children with that person. You don't have to hang out with the tornado or, or go back to the car accident every single day, you know? But in, but in betrayal trauma, it's because there's an intimate bond. There's a connection with that person that is something that you just can't break instantly. Even if there's been a betrayal where they've crossed a line or cheated or lied to you or gaslit you or whatever the, the abusive thing is, it, it creates this, this tremendous dilemma of this is the person that swore they would protect me. So I have a natural instinct to run to them for comfort, but they've also now just hurt me worse than anyone else or anything else has hurt me. So I want to run away. So you're caught in this dilemma of push, pull, you know, push the gas, push the brakes and it's crazy making. It's you feel nuts. You feel stupid for staying. You feel scared to leave. You feel there's so many emotions. And for for many people that are dealing with this, they have to go home and oftentimes sleep in the same room as that person and try and figure out how do I just act normal and do life when this person who I didn't have to worry about is now all I think about in this, uh, are they, you know, stranger danger? Who is this person? You know, so that's the best way I can describe it. It's very different than regular trauma. That's a beautiful description. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm so sad. Okay. Here is my last question. We'll just have to do it again. Okay, Jeff, thank you because (laughs) it's my fault that we're short today. Here's my last question. And I, I hear this, um, question 
a lot, mm-hmm. especially when someone has betrayed another person. So they've um, they've acted out like really consistently with pornography or they've had uh, affairs, emotional, sexual, whatever. There's lots of ways to betray another person. But a yeah. question that is common is what were they thinking? Like they seem to love their spouse or they seem mm-hmm. to love their family or don't they know, you know, how good they had it? This isn't about yeah. how good they had it, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so tricky. There's a, there's a, there's a bunch of explanations for this, but the the shortest way I can describe it is that the majority of people that betray their loved one, they're not sociopaths. They're not, you know, they're not the, 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 people that Netflix makes documentaries about, right? Yes, <laughs> they're not, yes, yes. They're not those extreme examples that have no conscience and have, you know, but that's, I mean, you're, of course, you're going to respond that way. You're going to be like, who is this person? What are they capable of? And I'll, and I'll tell you, I've worked with people that are like, that are that scary. Okay. I know that they're real. I'm not minimizing that. Yeah. What I'm saying is it's not, if you really are thinking about staying in the relationship or you're considering that this is something you still want to be a part of, then it is helpful to recognize that once you establish your own safety, once you establish your own stability and keep get your emotional balance and that there's good boundaries in place and good self-care and you've got good support and there's accountability coming forward from the other person, really until all of that is in place, you're not really going to be able to and it's really not healthy to sit around and wonder why this happened. Um, getting to the why really is something in my experience that I think is, is earned through building trust, through building safety and accountability and having that conversation as a couple then can be this exploration. But if you still don't know if you're going to be safe, if this person's going to repeat offend, or if there's going to be safety issues, a lot of the times it's natural to go to the why as a way to figure out what to do with this. But that first of all is not, yeah, it's not the betrayed person's job to figure out why it's the betrayed person's job to figure out what, what do they need to do? How are they going to get safe? How are they going to protect themselves? And the, and the person who's broken the trust, their job is to figure out how they're going to help create safety for the betrayed person. And then the why of how they did it and what, where it all comes from their childhood, their, you know, if they have ADD, if they've got addictions, et cetera, whatever the reasons may be, there's time and space to look at all that stuff once safety's been established. It's just oftentimes done out of order because naturally we want to just understand what just happened. Who is this person? What's going on? We want to solve the mystery. And there's time for that down the road. So safety and stability and accountability and all of that is is preeminent. It's first. And if we don't have that in place, then those other discussions really can't matter. That's really insightful and really helpful. Mm -hmm. Jeff, I hope every person that's listening to this will get online and look um, look at the resources that you have to offer. Again, I just will, I'm a believer and an advocate for marriage and for relationships and for creating uh, relationships that are deep and meaningful 
and not just two people living in the same home. And so often we don't know how, we don't know how to get past the pain or we don't even know why there's pain. And just being willing to look and, and address and talk about, um, real, real life, uh, real life experiences in our relationships can change. I believe it can change generations. So, oh, big time. Yes. Yeah. Expect more from yourself and your partner. Expect more. It's okay. Yes. Expect more, which actually means then you give more to the, to your children. Like they go into their relationships yes. with better tools, better, better ability to address what comes. So Jeff, thank you. I'm taking you up on your words of let's do it again, because I have yeah. so many more questions and I let's do so it. I'm serious. You. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. I'm grateful you're, you're here. We'll have many choices in our day and in our week. I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.